We head straight into it and uh, we kick things off as we often do uh, in the world of money. Zuelakam Gudni, co-founder and chief investment officer at Benguela Global Fund Managers is my guest tonight. Kwabe, good evening to you, my brother, and welcome. Zuelakam. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. How are you doing, man? Yeah, sorry. I don't know, I don't know what happened. Uh, I, I think I actually need to switch my platform. Uh, can you hear me better now? I can hear you clearly. Uh, you know, you know okay. the telco gremlins as well. Like, I mean, it's, it's, you know, we've become accustomed to it. I, I must say, we've become quite accustomed to it. Quite I'm sorry about this. No, no worries, man. No worries. I want us to maybe start off in the world of coal. Um, I mean, I'm quite interested. I guess West Coal, a very interesting group here, uh, and now I guess uh, looking to reinvent itself, uh, according to its CEO. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess a seasoned business leader and former student leader in his own right, if I think about it, Robinson Ramayde. Yeah, no, no, indeed. Um, yeah, West, West Coal is a, I'd say, a mid-cap business uh, specializing in coal, and they're looking for strategies to, to reinvent themselves, as you say. And uh, that is a function of what we saw recently, that even the banks have moved away from funding uh, coal assets. Mm. And for businesses like uh, West Coal, they probably need to find other avenues and new products that they can uh, basically participate in to, to, to basically continue with their existence. Otherwise, if you're not getting funding and your stock price gets marked down on the stock exchange, you basically won't be able to fund any of the future projects at an attractive price. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess, you know, the other thing they're considering is, um, you know, th- as you said, they were a big supplier, I guess, um, you know, as, as mid-cap as they are, of uh, ESCOM. Uh, and I guess yeah. potentially trying to position themselves here for any other play that might be linked to the restructuring of the energy sector. It might be renewables, it might be, you know, any other form of technology that I guess takes them away from the stink that is now surrounding cold. No, indeed. I mean, and I think we saw also um, uh, Tungela is also talking about that. And another one was Exaro started uh, on that journey as well. So certainly they, they would be repositioning in a direction where they might be able to to participate in the in the new technologies, as you say, uh, but say they are getting quite a nice windfall at the moment in terms of the, the coal price, and it's an opportune time to be looking at uh, reinvesting some of the super profits in other areas. So, yeah, so certainly yeah. they they would be looking at uh, other opportunities in, for example, the renewable energy space. Yeah, what do you make of that logo? It's interesting. I, I thought I thought it's 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 quite interesting. Um, it looked similar initially when I looked at it, and I guess that that's a good thing if it 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 has some familiarity to it. But certainly, uh, yeah, it, it it looks looks quite uh, quite nice because yeah, yeah. it's almost like showing hands that are coming together. Exactly, and I guess also drawing from. Uh... Uh, the heritage of that Sahole Baobab that is out there in Toriando uh, in uh, Limpopo, which I understand, 1,200 years old, that tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
nature can be amazing in that sense that uh, you can have something that lives through so many human generations, probably 12 mm. generations of human beings, and uh, they, it's still there. It's still standing. And I guess, yeah, that speaks volumes for what indeed they want to be the ethos of their company and uh, I guess the longevity but, of that, yeah. But, but I have a question that I still have is, mm. are we taking the right decision as a country Sure. By, by abandoning coal and not funding it, and we, it looks like our agenda is set up in Europe when we have developmental issues here in the country. Mm. And it, it continues to, to baffle me that all these companies now are now being forced to transition into new technologies. I admit that coal is a pollutive uh, a product, but we, we don't have anything that we are creating ourselves that relates to renewable energy. Even the people that mm. are having solar panels, I'm not sure what percentage of the solar panels are made in South Africa, but it certainly sure, will be sure. uh, half. And the question is, who benefits from the transition? So, so mm. when you get your economic agenda set up in other places and then you just follow, and you abandon your resource to go use a resource that is more expensive. Uh, sometimes, it, and I'm not saying it mustn't be done, but I'm just saying it, it, it just doesn't make sense. We, we've got mm. coal, uh, and we've got people who polluted the, the planet more than anybody else, more than we can actually probably do in the next 50 years. They're now yeah. telling us that we need to transition. It's quite interesting. Mm. You know, Kwame, I think there's, there's, there's two elements to, to um, your reflections there, which I... I think uh, I want to maybe comment on, right? I think the first one is that it's so surprising for me that everybody seems to think like tomorrow will be like a zero coal type of uh, uh, economy. Um, coming as we do now from like coal generating over 90% or, or just close to 90% of our energy needs. But yeah. even our policy framework, the integrated resource plan, envisages that by 2030, coal will still be a very dominant part of our energy mix, 44.6% of the energy supply. Yeah. Wind will only be 15%, solar, I think just around 10%, and gas and diesel around 15.7%. Now, I don't understand why uh, so much of the chatter, even especially in financial markets, Kwabe, is assuming that tomorrow, everybody will have a stick branded against them for investing in coal when it's certainly going to be a big part of our energy mix. I think the second thing you raise is probably more important, which is if we're going to gas and diesel, wind and solar, what is the requirement of locally produced content? Because some of the stuff, yes, we might not have the technology, it's sophisticated to produce, but some of it is simple. I mean, to build a tower, right, is to put yep. steel sheets together. We create steel yeah. here, um, you know, to, to create certain parts of like balance of plant or the transmission capability or transformers or inverters. We have that capability here in South Africa. Now, the question is, you know, we heard bid window six is out today. Are we yeah. leveraging all of the productive cap capability that we have? And I'm not sure we're doing that when I see factories closed down that make wind towers or that make certain components for solar, you know? Yeah, I agree, I agree. <laughs> So, so it's, it's, I think you're right. I mean, everybody talks up the just transition, but I, I think sometimes we kind of have to stare reality in the face and be like, you know what, um, there's a the, lot of the chatter and the propaganda, but I think the reality of it is that coal will be with us for a long period of time. And the question mark is how do we sequence that transition? Um, and I think 
that's probably more important than uh, maybe just a change in logo or deciding to finance I, new things. I, I fully agree. Uh, certainly, the, the, the key word being uh, sequencing that. And, mm. and certainly, we are not sequencing it in a manner that benefits us at the moment, at least how sure, it's been done. Sure. Almost a rush, and we're not going to fund coal. Uh, and it's sad, it's sad. Hey, Kwame. But yeah, man, let's uh, stay there in the commodity space. Um, you know, we, we kicked off uh, yesterday uh, with a reflection on some of the remarks that um, Neil Froneman had made, saying, look, he's not going to uh, give in to the demands of the NUM and AMCO, uh, you know, and workers in general who are wanting more in the gold sector. Now, we wake up today and there's some murmurs in the marketplace, largely coming from the NUM, saying, look, Yesterday or on Tuesday, there was a new offer tabled um, and uh, there the uh, general secretary of the NUM, William Mabapa, uh, speaking to, I think, Business Day said, look, there's a new offer on the table, revised wage off of 800 rand plus a 50 rand increase and a living out allowance for three years and 5% uh, pay increase for artisans, miners and officials over the multi-year agreement. And Sabanya is saying that's not true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think I guess the the big thing in this uh, the politics of labor is uh, there, there is a bit of propaganda that uh, that gets used uh, to try and uh, influence uh, public opinion as well. Uh, mm. What's happening behind the closed doors? You'd almost be surprised how friendly sometimes things are happening behind uh, closed doors. But in the public, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it it looks like. Uh, there's tension. I mean, I, I think one of the things that I've noted over the years is that uh, Neil Froneman tends to be the tough-talking uh, CEO, and some, sometimes it does get his way, but I think he, in the end, he does yield some ground to, to, to the unions, and I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised that there is a talk that they, they've tabled a, a revised off of 800 and this might be just to test opinions out there to mm. say, uh, are, are the workers buying into this? Because you have to position it as a victory rather than uh, it was uh, a loss on one side uh, than the other. So if you say they now table the revised uh, wage offer, it sounds, sounds like you, you've made progress. Mm. And of course, I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the uh, folk at uh, Sabanya Stillwater, very mum saying, look, maybe these guys are getting ahead of themselves. Uh, but you're right. I think in a sense, uh, you know, the unions probably have to sell this more to their members than they have to do to society uh, because it's their members who are on strike. And uh, the big question mark is if you've held out for so long for the 1,000 rand, um, what is 100 rand? Yeah. <laughs> hey, what is 100 rand indeed? I mean, uh, it's really... Uh not significant to to basically lead to lower production uh, because that cost of production is going to firstly be reflected in the in the unit cost so the loss production will be reflected in unit cost but also it's going to be reflected in long term in loss opportunity prices don't stay high forever and if they happen to decline and you didn't have the production to sell when the prices were high it's a loss opportunity yeah yeah indeed Indeed, the stakes are much higher when prices are good. I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but so, also the other thing, yeah. sorry, I just wanted to ask. I mean, yesterday we spoke about Neil Froneman saying um, that he felt we are nearing a recession. 
and therefore you know he's not banking on higher prices but my understanding is that whenever there's uncertainty recessions and just depressed conditions uh, in capital markets that gold often is the safe haven and that's when we often see rallies from gold so maybe a recession might be in his favor here it might indeed uh, and certainly uh, it's very funny if you attend his presentations where he's presenting results. Uh, he's often the most bullish CEO uh, in the in the market at any given time. So always optimistic. And you hear him talking about the recession and how it could affect them. It's, it's actually quite quite interesting in contrast to what he often says. But the recession would basically benefit them. I mean, I think that the PGM prices would have been lower had it not been the, for the war in Ukraine. And the recession would support gold, and they'd certainly benefit from that. Mm, mm, mm. Then, Kwabe, a lot, I guess, by way of news today in terms of exits and new arrivals. And let's maybe start with the new arrivals, and we'll take a look at the exit of Dondo Mohajan at the National Treasury thereafter. Um, a new Sasria boss. Um, and I must say, I mean, you know, if, if we we're talking about this in 2018, saying somebody new has come into Sasria, probably wouldn't have made the news. But uh, I guess since what we saw in July, uh, Sasria has yeah. become very much part of our daily lexicon. And that is, uh, yeah, because of their role as an insurer of riotous events. Certainly. And I think Sasria has done a fantastic job in terms of uh, protecting the economy or at least uh, the corporates within the economy uh, and enabling them to continue. So, so the, the change of the CEO is not only raising eyebrows, but uh, purely from a, a CEO point of view, but also the role that's been played by Sasria in this uh, uh, crisis has been phenomenal. And as you say, that has brought it uh, to our attention as a uh, insurer within within the country, state-owned insurer. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the other exit um, after a very long time at uh, the helm, and uh, we understand, uh, yeah, Dondo Mohajan has been at the Treasury for a very long time. Uh, and maybe before we comment on that, uh, Kwabe, let's take a listen to this clip. Yeah, so Kwabe, that uh, there was a discussion we had with Dono Mohajane uh, at the time where South Africa had announced that it had taken a loan from the World Bank uh, as part yeah. of the COVID relief. And uh, he's certainly somebody we've invited on the show a lot of times. We've had a lot of uh, intense discussions, but always ever the gentleman and uh, very sharp and, and I guess a distinguished public servant. Uh, just your reflections of, of him at the helm of uh, the National Treasury over the last five years, but also... I guess, uh, in his many other roles um, at the National Treasury before that? I'm actually quite sad. Uh, uh, I am. And it's, uh, 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 not sad because I doubt the competence of the uh, people that would take over his role, but just sad about his um, commitment to public service. He could have been snapped up by many corporates years ago. And he stood the test of time, and he stood uh, against some of the efforts or attempts to manipulate the Treasury to work in favor of certain outcomes that are in the best interest of, of the country. And that's what saddens me, to lose somebody whose commitment was so uh, staunch towards, the, towards benefiting the country is actually quite material for, 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 for the country. So 
Yeah, I, I'm quite sad. He's, he's, he's a great, great uh, public servant, and, and he's done very, very well for, for the country. Of course, supported by a team, but he's been exceptional. Definitely, definitely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly on behalf of all of us here at Metro FM Talk, I wish uh, Bratondo all of the best, and I certainly hope we can uh, check in with him uh, when he starts his new life. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be playing a lot of golf or going fishing or, you know, <laughs> taking some time out. Uh, so we must uh, maybe check in with him. Uh, there, Kuma, and uh, see how his, he's doing. Uh, if you've been at the Treasury for like 23 years, I mean, it must be difficult to wake up the next day and not head out to Matiba, to Matiba Street. So, so yeah, that must be difficult. difficult. Yeah. That, that must difficult, be really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> then, Kwabe, Didi. Oh, yeah? He deserves no, no. a break. No, he definitely does. Uh, and I think, I mean, I understand that uh, Minister Kodongwan had tried to convince him to stay on, and uh, he was like, I, uh, it's time. And, and I like that approach, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, if you're yes. a leader, you feel you've built enough timber in your own organization, you know, take a step back. Uh, and I think the, there'll be many responsibilities that he'll take on, you know, be it in the public or in the private space uh, in the future. So so uh, wish him all of the best. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, great fellow there. Then, uh, Kwabe, Didi, yeah. they've decided to pull their operations. What's happening here? Yeah, Didi came in like, just before COVID hit the, the world, and they came into South Africa, and they they quite uh, broad. I mean, they, their origins in, in Asia, but they've become a global company that is listed on the uh, New York Stock Exchange, and certainly a company that uh, did well in the early years. But it has started to see quite a lot of pressure in the in the pricing and its performance, and its share price is, I think, it's down over 80% in the last 12 months. Mm. So as part of the whole review of the strategic direction, because oftentimes you go and you open a, a business in different country or different region, and essentially you put the first capital to support the network for the network to become uh, viable. But once that network is up and running, uh, and it doesn't yield the profitability that we expect. It mm. actually means that you're just uh, going to regress from a financial point of view, and that's why the shepherds have been under pressure. They've, they've actually declined in terms of profitability as they try to take that route of uh, accelerating growth. So the, the, the challenge they faced here was immense from the competitors like Uber, and bold. I mean, bold came uh, late, but they actually had a material impact in the in the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's also been a, an issue of an operating model where I mean, the other players kind of a bigger slice of the revenue from uh, what the the, the partners, the, the the driving partners uh, charged. They took a, a lower uh, uh, price but mm. they charge a slightly higher price than their competitors. So on the margin, so they, they kind of had a, I think the, the business model was not suited, especially for a developmental country where every cent counts. Uh, you might actually be making a mistake by trying to mm. price ahead of your competitors. Sure, sure, sure. Kwabe, I want us to leave it there uh, for tonight, but as always, my brother, a pleasure catching up with you. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. Thank you, Aya, and have a good evening.
You too, my brother. That there was Wolakim Nguni, co-founder and chief investment officer at Benguela Global Fund Managers. And maybe just on that last story there of Didi, uh, let's uh, take you back to uh, when we caught up with Karina Smith-Allen, uh, Didi's head of PR and comms for Sub-Saharan Africa. And I must say, I mean, when we had that discussion, I was left with more questions than answers.